0: Hello, welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Sound Living, the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Helen Lawal, Regional Director for the BSLM and an NHS GP. Now, the internet is swamped with the latest health trends and confusing advice. In this podcast, we are dedicated to bringing you reliable information based on facts and research to inspire and support you to improve your health and well-being. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sound Living Podcast. And today we have a healthcare workers special on stress. And joining us for this very important topic is Dr. Anna Hewitt. Now, Anna is a GP, a yoga teacher, one of our regional directors for Cornwall. uh, And she's also a certified lifestyle medicine physician, having taken our lifestyle medicine diploma. So, Anna, welcome to The Sound Living Podcast. How are you doing?
1: Hello. Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. And yeah, it's great to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, it's me. really
0: good to have you on. And I think this is such an important topic. It's especially for our healthcare workers and, and all the healthcare professionals and NHS workers out there. And we're filming this. Um, uh, lockdown has lifted, but there are still some significant restrictions that we're living by in the UK um, with COVID nineteen and now more than ever healthcare workers are facing stress and actually I was reading from the BMA the British Medical Association that nearly a third of healthcare workers have reported their mental health conditions worsening during the pandemic which is no surprise really and the British Medical Association have a well-being support service and they've seen a 40% increase in use. so really tough times that the healthcare workers are facing at the moment
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, and no, I think you're you're totally right. I think, you know, there was definitely quite a high level of pressure and stress already. But you you're completely right mentioning COVID there and you know challenges it brings, whether it's regard to childcare, perhaps guilt about working from home. And the list does go on, but you know, there certainly happened of stresses before that as well. We'll talk about.
0: Yeah, I think you're right though, this this isn't just about COVID nineteen, is it? As healthcare workers, we, uh, like many other professionals, we we face stress in our job and that stress is, was there before COVID-19 and will be there after. So walk us through a little bit, um, really, why are we faced with so much stress in, in our role as healthcare professionals?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think there are many reasons and the um, obviously regular kind of NHS staff, surveys that are done. And I actually got some figures from April 2019. So that was even before COVID started, which might be quite interesting for people to realise You know, this was an issue even before the pandemic. So just kind of to give people an idea of how much of an important topic to address this is. For example, 40% of all NHS staff reported being unwell as a result of work stress during the previous year. So that's a huge number. And that's about 50% more Kind of compared to the general working population um, finished a staff report debilitating levels of work stress. And it goes on to, obviously, it manifests in the sickness absence rate as well, which is a lot higher in the NHS compared to the rest of the economy. So again, in April 2019, it rose to 4.1%, so really quite high. And then, you know, we decided to talk about stress today. And it's really important because anxiety, stress, depression, other psychiatric illnesses account for nearly 25% of these staff absences. And that's even a bit higher for managers, around 32%. So there's definitely a lot of stress around there. And Mm -hmm. we mentioned the BMA there, and they actually did a survey in 2019 asking people about burnout. And they found that 80% of all the doctors were at a high or very high risk of burnout. There was a particular case with junior doctors followed by GPs. And you you just mentioned um, you know, what could be the possible causes for that. And I think one certainly would be things like the workforce shortage. So I believe at the moment the star vacancies are around a hundred thousand for NHS wow. staff
0: so that's thousand staff vacancies yes, across the NHS which is huge and
1: that's, that's about
0: huge numbers
1: one in 11 of all NHS posts so that means pretty much every team will be affected by that um, and that kind of also manifests in you know how this um, affects every single worker for example again another staff so if there's an 18 showed over 55% of staff said that they had gone into work, though they were ill. So it's really hard to look after yourself when you're worried about your team, really struggling to to cover your your work when you're not there. And it also means that three in five staff were working extra unpaid hours on a weekly basis, which again is something I definitely remember when I was a junior doctor.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, referencing junior doctor times. I remember how stressful it felt working within the teams. very rewarding and um, and things, but very stressful. And I guess if you're working as part of a team, but there's a lot of vacancies within that team or the wider hospital unit, then of, of course you're going to face these additional pressures. Um, and I, th- I think also at this point it's important to draw attention to the fact that when we're talking about healthcare workers you referenced it before we mean managers as well it's not just clinical staff it's those working behind the, the scenes who might be managing hospitals ma- you know and um, managing teams of people the administrative staff it's everyone really that that faces this isn't it not just us as doctors and nurses
1: no definitely I think it, yeah it really yeah affects every you know every single person kind of working for the NHS again that's all you know where all the statistics do come from and I was really surprised to actually even find that bullying and harassment is still a really big problem within the NHS as well. So I think about 20% of all NHS staff experience kind of this kind of bullying or harassment in the workplace from other colleagues. So again, that's another alarming kind of statistic to know about.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have any experiences of um, having experienced stress as a junior doctor or uh, a GP at all that you can share with the listeners?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, this comes naturally with the job. I think it's just this perceived weight of, you know, the potentially life changing decisions we have to make often on a daily basis and just the responsibility that comes with the role. And there's always that, you know, fear of litigation or things going wrong. Um, and, you know, making sure you documented everything as thoroughly as you could. And, you know, you thought about all the worst case scenarios. And, um, again, this could be an entire, another podcast Um, but I was actually diagnosed with imposter syndrome during my uh, GP training which I find very very helpful diagnosis to
0: have. Mm. Tell us a bit more about what that is what what is imposter syndrome?
1: Yes uh, imposter syndrome is actually really common particularly around uh, or amongst females not only in the medical fields but it's basically the feeling that you yeah, you might be found out so that wherever you got in your career, you you might have got there through luck or you know, perhaps through you know, doing things not quite, you know, as you should have done. But basically that, yeah, you shouldn't really be doing the job you're doing, that you're not, you know, really capable of your role. And, um yeah, it's really interesting kind of reading about it. And again, I really invite people to, to look into that more because it's just really helpful mm. to know that it's mm. probably not just you, but it's just... Really, this very common syndrome going mm.
0: around. And as we're sharing, Anna, I too uh, would say I've experienced stress. Um quite soon after qualifying as a GP, I faced what f- what felt like burnout in that uh I was working really hard and um began to feel dissatisfied with the, the work I was doing. Began to feel like I couldn't cope. Um, and, you know, going into work would just feel a really daunting prospect. And I think it is important that we share our experiences and that we talk about mental health and, and specifically stress more, because I think part of it is you get so used to just get putting your head down and carrying on and keeping going. And it looks like everyone else is doing okay and coping okay. Uh, and actually like you say a lot of us aren't and i think it's important to share and to reach out to our colleagues and uh, i think that can be helpful and that's certainly what helped me during that time
1: definitely and i think it's also really important to remember that it then kind of staff health and well-being the mental well-being is important only in a personal level but also because it does have of course a direct impact on the clinical care as well we're able to give so yeah, really important. We take this seriously,
0: and let's talk about that a little bit more. That's something that's fairly unique to us as healthcare workers, isn't it? In that, when we recognise that we're stressed, um, it's important to recognise when that's getting to the point where it's impacting on our ability to give care and our ability to care for our patients safely. So how important is it to recognise that and what might the signs be and what do we do if we feel ourselves getting to that stage?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, it's really important to just have that kind of awareness of mindfulness. And, you know, we just talked about people going into work that they were ill. So I think it's really important to be honest to yourself when you feel that actually you're not going to be able to to focus 100%. You've got an important, you know, thing to do on the day, you're doing the right thing by calling in, making sure someone else, you know, fills in for you. Um and, you know, in terms of other symptoms, I think it's really, you know, what you just mentioned about your experience as well, you know, really dreading to go into work and just using losing that, you know, typical enthusiasm yes, that I think we usually kind of feel for our role. I think that often attracts people into into becoming a healthcare worker. I found that since I in you know, started medical school, I've often found that it's often people who are very kind of compassionate and altruistic and dedicated who are you know, working in this field. So I think when you know when those things start to to change, that's often a warning sign.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's a useful reminder, Anna, isn't it, to apply some of that compassion we give to others to ourselves in in these situations, and that can be difficult.
1: Definitely, yeah, I know for sure
0: and um in in the news recently uh n h s staff and healthcare workers have featured quite heavily and um been called heroes, but heroes need help too, don't they w- What should the the listeners do if they feel that they aren't coping so well and are facing stress? What can they do to perhaps help themselves?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think that's a really good question, obviously before we go into kind of practical tips, I just want to make sure. That the listeners understand that we are not ignoring the elephant in the room but that for the purpose of this this podcast i think it's worth focusing on what when what we can do today as individual rather than any systemic changes kind of thinking about the energy environment that require addressing such as staff shortages compassionate leaders leadership and so forth so kind of think about practical tips so one simple approach that works for me is to think about three key areas in life. And allow us to thrive and can have a direct impact on our health and well-being. And those three areas would be achievement or purpose, joy, pleasure, or just positive emotion, and connection. So the next step is to think about activities that fit into each of those three areas. And, you know, don't worry, they do often overlap. But if you just think about a few examples, so that area of achievement, so that could be anything household or work-related, Cleaning definitely counts there. Looking after your physical health is definitely an achievement. So you know, I know you've got other podcasts coming up as well, but we know that regular movement, nutrition, particularly the Mediterranean diets, so a diet kind of low in sugar processed foods is definitely helpful for our mental health. Sufficient sleep and actually avoiding or kind of using substances wisely, whether that's kind of alcohol or caffeine, and obviously smoking. And then also kind of looking after our mental health is definitely an important achievement. And there are certain techniques that have been shown in studies to be helpful for our mental health. So for example, cognitive behavioral therapy, breathing techniques, and the mindfulness-based stress reduction program, which I'd like to talk about a bit more in a moment. But also kind of learning, trying something new can be really good here. And I think in the healthcare setting as well, I think if we can train ourselves to see learning from mistakes as an opportunity uh, and an achievement that would be really helpful. There's a great book by Matthew Side called Black Box Thinking. Really worth reading that if you haven't yet. Other things could be volunteering. I think for, you know, any you kind know, of young mums or pregnant ladies out there, just kind of growing or looking after a baby totally counts towards that. And it's important to give you plenty of credit for that. And um, in the next is a so kind of joy, pleasure, so thinking about activities that give you pleasure or just leave you with the positive emotions for some people that might be being out in nature it could be enjoying a mindful meal any hobbies that give you joy could be art or something creative flow state so an activity that means that you're completely submerged in the moment completely absorbed in the activity Things that can be really relaxing. So it could be a massage, perhaps during COVID times, a self-massage with a cricket ball or a faster roll, perhaps a bubble bath, reading a book. And for some people, kind of keeping a gratitude diary really works. So doing some jour- journaling. The next area, the connection area, is really important, of course. So whether it's being or just connecting with friends, family, pets, and also trying to make this connection this encounter face to face rather than using social media so we know that actually excess social media use can have negative effects on our mental health groups are cool groups are group support or activities then in a group can be really powerful as well here and then there is spirituality as well so for some people it might be religion or just a connection to that what is bigger
0: so those three areas are achievement joy or pleasure and connection um, and it's useful, isn't it, to, to group them together. And I guess it just makes it easier, perhaps, when we're going through stress to think about what am I craving? What do I need in this moment to really to really help me? The thing that can be difficult is when you're in that state of stress, as we've both been in, it can be really difficult to to help yourself. So how, how do the listeners who might be experiencing stress go about accessing these three different areas that, that could help them?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, And, you know, I'll mention, you know, some areas or, um, yeah, some kind of contact that are available, particularly at the moment during COVID times for everyone, um, just towards the end of today, hopefully. Um, But thinking about, you know, what's often a useful first step is just to kind of realize that you're struggling and to pause and to kind of really check in with yourself and perhaps ask yourself at the end of the day, What did I actually do today that gave me a sense of achievement? What did I do that gave me pleasure and a sense of connection? And then, kind of, once you've broken that down, you could ask yourself, did I get a good balance or is there something I could do, I would like to do differently tomorrow? And I think mindfulness is really key here. So, kind of, what do we mean by mindfulness? So, one definition of mindfulness is awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose, in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So why I think mindfulness can be so important in this context, it's like one of you to really check in with your situation and be honest to yourself. There's also growing evidence for a specific program I mentioned earlier, the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Programme. Also for healthcare professionals, as it has been found, to be helpful to improve mental health, reduce stress for those professionals. And it's an eight-week program that's developed by John zinn And it does include some informal and formal mindfulness practices, such as different forms of meditation and yoga. And it cultivates things like self-compassion, non-judgment, patience, and other attitudes that are essential to mindfulness practice. In terms of like how to kind of create this change when we realise actually I do want to do things differently. I suspect that a lot of listeners have heard about BSLM Hashtag One Change campaign already, which is about creating healthy habits, behaviors that last. I think appreciating and celebrating every small effort we make in this context is really essential here. I mean, for some people, they might even be ready to invest into getting some professional help, so some sort of coaching, just to have that extra support and accountability, which can be really helpful.
0: Mm. And where else can can the listeners turn to to get that help and support they need to support them in their mental health? Are there any other resources or helplines?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot. And I think that's definitely one of the, you know, take homes, kind of I'm um, hoping people will be able to take away from today so that you know they really aren't alone so if you're feeling stressed that you're struggling kind of do get the support and talk about it and the first step is always the hardest especially when you're already feeling low and you're struggling but there's so much help out there and stuff you know speaking you know to your friends and family I'm sure would want to know when you're when you're struggling there's also your GP that's there to support your mental health as well in terms of your work environment, if you're speaking to your team, your manager, you might have a mentor or bigger so bigger organizations would have an occupation health team, or even a staff health and well-being team who can be a great asset. And there's also practitioner health, which I'll link in the resources, who do have a lot of online resources for any healthcare professional available at the moment. And that's a confidential service.
0: So lots of help out there um, and like you say we're going to link them all in, in, in the resources so they're going to be easily accessible for those listening in. Is there anything specifically that you found helpful to turn to during periods of stress in the workplace?
1: Yeah I think for me I'm biased in terms of yoga as well but I think for me kind of yoga meditation mindfulness have definitely been a huge help and admittedly I, perf- I personally I'm quite a country bumpkin so I think for me spending time out. In nature is really important, so it's been quite a lot of time in the sea, you kind know, of whether it's surfing or just getting some outdoor time in, hiking, um, you know, dealing with with my partner or friends or family. But even things like you know, cooking, preparing, enjoying, a nourishing meal, I find very rewarding and definitely helps me kind of yeah, wind wind down and uh, recharge.
0: And what would your advice be to those? that are listening who perhaps feel like they're unsure whether it's a case of them not coping um, or that something is fundamentally uh, not right within their team or their work. Because that's a tricky one, isn't it? That judgment of actually there's more I could be doing here to support myself or perhaps I could try this and try that versus no matter how hard you try, the team, the job you're working in you know, it, it, it's hard to break out of that. How do we make that judgment on whether it's something in the system or the team or something perhaps that we can do? And, yeah, where's the crossover there?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And, you know, as you're saying, it can be really hard to kind of break that down. I wonder whether, you know, having that conversation perhaps with other you know, team members who might be you know working in a similar environment would be really helpful here. And again, you know, speaking to a manager as well. Um, as I mentioned, like the staff health and wellbeing team that most trials have nowadays, they often work very closely with some of the managers. Um and you know can be a really powerful kind of team to have on board when it comes to kind of discussing some things that you know might make a difference. Um, whether that's, you know, more time working from home or, you know, other things kind of that can have a direct impact. But then I think it might just be worth kind of seeing if, you know, looking after yourself and really making that time for what I like to refer to as compassion and self-care does make a difference. Because I think if you're doing all you can and it's still not leaving you feeling any better, then I think that's probably quite a good indicator that things might be wrong or need addressing in the system.
0: And do you have any final take-home messages for our listeners today?
1: Yeah, sure. I think I just mentioned this kind of compassionate self-care. So I think take-home number one for me would be to make time for compassionate self-care. So we can only give what we have and time for ourselves is everything but selfish. It's a real necessity, which every single one of us truly deserves. And the people we love and we care about will naturally benefit if we make this time for compassionate self-care. Learning to say no is another key skill to develop here. And I would just say be curious, kind of what find what works for you in regard to self-care. Perhaps remember achievement, pleasure and connection and then use, for example, the hashtag one change principle to create new and enjoyable habits. And I think that take home number two for me would be you really aren't alone. So if you are feeling stressed or you're struggling, do get the help, the support and talk about it. And then perhaps the final one, if you have not yet, perhaps give a formal mindfulness practice a go. You've really got nothing to lose. And I'll share the link to the Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction Programme. So it's a really good chance that there might be a course close to you where you live if you're interested.
0: Thank you, Anna. I think those are really three really important messages there to end on. And if I could just add by saying that I'd mentioned earlier in the episode about the stress and the burnout that I faced and actually what worked for me was lifestyle medicine. So that's when I found lifestyle medicine and began to incorporate it into my own life and also integrate it into my my own job as a GP. So if anyone is listening and feels, especially anyone who works in primary care, that the way in which they're working with patients doesn't seem to be um making them feel good it seems to be adding to their stress or that they feel that they want to improve their own health and, and well-being then please come and join us at the bslm because that's really what helped me move forward and out of that really difficult time
1: yeah know that's yeah that's really great to hear and i think that's really true i think if you can find a sense of you know purposeful fulfillment in the job role you're doing on a daily basis that's definitely going to help your well-being, isn't it? So, yeah, no, well done for that. And I totally echo that, but I definitely get a lot out of you know, volunteering for the BSLM. And, um, yeah, just enjoy having that community. For sure. Absolutely.
0: We found our tribe, haven't we?
1: Definitely, <laughs> yeah.
0: Anna, thank you for your time and guiding us through this really important topic. And take care and we'll see you soon.
1: Thanks for having me again. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sound Living Podcast. For more information about the BSLM, to sign up to our newsletter or to subscribe to our membership, go to bslm.org.uk and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at BritSocLM. Please show your support by sharing this podcast with friends, family and colleagues. If there are any specific topics you'd like us to cover, please get in touch. Until next time, stay well.